Sportsbooks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to bring to you another podcast after a win. The Nuggets, they take down the Utah Jazz. A little bit of a revenge game of sorts at home. Final score of this one, 117-101. Denver had some good moments in this one. Absolutely good moments. Only holding or holding the Jazz to 101, really nice defense for most of the night. There were some moments where it was a little bit uh, tenuous here or there, but by and large, Denver's profile of the shots that they gave up, of the types of points that they gave up, really, really good. Michael Malone highlighted that today. Eight offensive rebounds allowed, very few second chance points. Uh, Denver didn't allow that many points off of turnovers. Sure, the Jazz hit a couple threes early, but they only made 10 on the night, and they didn't really get to the rim and and make those shots with as much efficiency as you would think they would, given where Denver's rim defense was at. thought DeAndre Jordan had a really nice night uh, just in general, and I thought the bench had a really nice night. So nice, in fact, that we're going to start with the bench in the first segment here move to the starters in the second segment, and then kind of do some, uh, not around the, uh, kind of around the NBA landscape is, is where we're going. We're going to do a little bit of a standings check and talk about some other teams. But for now, let's talk about the bench. Let's talk about the group that really, really played well tonight. I'm pretty surprised with the way that they performed. Actually, I guess I'm not surprised because sooner or later this was going to happen. You knew that Bones could go off at any point. You know that MPJ is capable of doing what he does. But to see it all kind of mesh together in this instance with this bench lineup, which featured Bones Highland, Christian Brown, Michael Porter staggering with the bench, Jeff Green, and DeAndre Jordan, there was a lot of good things. Definitely a lot of good things with that group tonight. None of those guys had a plus-minus below plus 11. Everybody was double-digit positive. MPJ led the way for the entire Nuggets team at plus 22. Very, very impressive stuff from him. But we got to start with Bones Highland. Bones had come out of the gate a little bit slow. Definitely not performing up to his own... uh, By his own admission, he wasn't really performing up to the level that he knows that he can And we know that he can shoot. We know that he can run the bench offense. He did it last year as a rookie. So it was only a matter of time before he kind of broke the streak a little bit. And he's had a couple good moments here or there. But tonight was a really strong performance. 26 points in 24 minutes. 8 of 18 from the field. 7 of 12 from 3. 3 of 4 from the line. Only had 3 assists, but one of them was a nice lob dunk to to DeAndre Jordan. He had a nice bullet pass under the rim to DeAndre, did a nice job of feeding Jordan and making his life a little bit easier around the rim. Oh, and actually his third assist was to DeAndre Jordan as well for a three. Uh, DeAndre Jordan hits his second career three tonight, played a really strong game, but let's more focus on Bones right now. It's tough because sometimes you want Bones to be the playmaker. Sometimes you want him to be the scorer. Sometimes you want him to lock in a little bit better defensively. It's hard for him to do all of those things at the same time. But he did one thing really well tonight, which was score the basketball. 
he spoke to the media post game and he asked he was asked hey do you, are you more of a when you when you're being the point guard out there are you looking to score or are you looking to pass or are you looking to facilitate and no hesitation and no real uh caveats to it he said i'm looking to score he is a score first player that can pass that can play the game the right way but in his blood in his bones bones is a scorer and tonight he caught fire from 3 7 of 12 from 3 that is a career high in terms of made threes for him and in the arena it felt like every single one of those was a backbreaker for the utah jazz I'm not sure how many how many timeouts Will Hardy called the new coach for the Utah Jazz. I'm not sure how many he called, but it felt like at least three of them were immediately after Bones' deep threes. He hit some near the hash mark on the left sideline. He had some step backs in the second half. He got into a rhythm three when uh, when he got a switch onto somebody that he liked and then got, the, got around the pick and roll and hit a three there on the pull-up. The degree of difficulty on the shots that he takes is absurd. Being willing to take those shots way behind the line, doing that pretty consistently, is very, very impressive. It spaces the floor so much for the rest of the Nuggets. And I'm not sure, yeah, he it says that he made a 32-foot step-back jumper tonight. 32 feet. Like, that's Steph Curry range. He talked about it post-game how he's a little bit more comfortable shooting from that distance as opposed to shooting up close to the line because he jumps a little bit more. And honestly, that kind of bears out. His numbers last year when taking the deeper threes were really good. They were some of the best in the entire NBA. We're talking like Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, all of these guys that are just snipers from out there. Bones is going to be in that category at some point. He's already pushing that threshold right now, and it's just his second season. This is what you want to see from him. Nights where the starters don't necessarily have it, or they have it, but they're just not like fully invested and into the game. This was definitely a night where Bones could shine. He didn't have a matchup against him where those guys were really making it difficult. It's why in the season opener... In Utah, I thought that he would have a better game than he did. He didn't, and that's fine. Not a big deal. But he took advantage of the moments that he had tonight. Roasted Colin Sexton like a a nice little roast chicken. Malik Beasley had nothing for him. Taylor Horton Tucker, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Leandro Bomaro, Ochayak Baji, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, any of those guys that went up against Bones. It felt really easy. It felt like he shot over just about everybody tonight. And that's what you need to see from him as the sixth man, as somebody who can come in and really change the pace of the game. He did that tonight. He absolutely did. And was a big, big part of this win. They may not win without him. I know they won going away, but it really was Bones who propped that up. Another guy who propped that up, Michael Porter Jr., We're going to talk about him with the bench too, as well as the starters. 22 points in 30 minutes. There was a question as to whether he would play, a question as to whether the the injury that he sustained to his back was serious. Was it connected? Was it not to any of his previous back surgeries? Well, as it turns out, it wasn't. 
he was just talking about how he tweaked something there, completely unrelated from what happened with his back previously. Felt a little bit uh, like it felt wrong to him is what he said, I'm pretty sure. And that he just decided, okay, it's good that we were able to hold off a little bit and take that rest. But he's good now and clearly looks great now. 22 points on 30 minutes, 7 of 15 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3. I feel like he could have even shot more threes, which is crazy. Like, that's that's crazy to think. And thought he had some restraint in terms of the types of threes that he had. Didn't actually get that many opportunities, but obviously he, cap- he completely capitalized on the ones that he did get. But in this game, the 13 rebounds really stand out. And Denver's overall rebounding margin really stands out too. 58 rebounds for Denver, 38 rebounds for Utah. Denver only made one more shot than Utah did. So what that means to me is that Denver just outworked Utah on the glass tonight. And it came after Denver's had some struggles on the glass. Now they are 3-0 and when they win the rebounding margin, as per my article um, that I released earlier today in terms of their season trends. But they're really good when they win the rebounding battle. And Michael Porter had at times definitely not stepped up to the plate in terms of rebounding. He was only averaging about six a night before tonight. Now that's obviously going up. And he fully earns that. He absolutely does. Where you know that somebody like him at 6'10 can be a good rebounder, can be a strong rebounder. He's displayed that before. But you also know that, hey, this guy is dealing with back surgery. He's dealing with just trying to work his way back. How is he going to fare when battling on the boards? And he fared pretty well. I'm not going to lie. 13 rebounds, including four offensive. He was throwing himself around out there. Definitely not looking uh, hindered at all. He looked like a player who was playing free, who was playing his game. Definitely not trying to restrict anything. That's exactly what you're looking for. That's exactly what the Nuggets want. So this was a great sign, and it was a great sign that it came in the first game after he missed. He's going to be good. He's going to be fine. And as long as Denver kind of stays ahead of it in terms of kind of preemptively holding him out anytime he feels like something might be coming on, there's no reason why he can't prolong his career. There's no reason why he can't play. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he could do. But he did have some bad moments defensively tonight, but nine defensive rebounds trumps that. Like he was a part of something good for Denver and hustled and worked hard, did a lot of good things. Christian Brown. Christian Brown's another guy that we got to talk about. Uh, And I'll speed through these a little bit quicker here. 10 points, six rebounds. All of those rebounds came in the first half, by the way. I'm not sure how he didn't grab a rebound in the second half because he played like 17, 18 minutes. But I do think it's, it's just very impressive to see what he has already accomplished at this stage. He had 10 points, four of seven from the field, made a three tonight. One of two from the line, six rebounds, two offensive, one assist, one turnover, one foul. And then he had a block. And the block really encapsulates kind of where he's at. He didn't make a ton of like the normal 
elite defensive plays that he usually makes tonight, but he made one. And it wasn't in the manner that I think people were expecting. As the low man on the weak side, his responsibility if uh, somebody drives past the strong side is to try to contest the shot at the rim. That's his responsibility. And then the rotations come behind him if that ball's kicked out to his man. But he has to sell out for the rim when it's clear that that's going to happen. And Malik Beasley drives down Main Street uh, after I think he got a backdoor pass or something. And he's about to dunk it. And then I think he turned it into a layup because he saw Christian Brown coming. And Christian Brown just sent that shot to Kingdom Come. Just flew out of nowhere, rising up, matching Malik Beasley and his athleticism with Christian Brown's hops of his own. And it was awesome. Christian Brown, there were some moments where he just made Malik Beasley's life hell tonight. Malik Beasley, 22 minutes, five points, one of seven from the field, three of three from the line, or from, yeah, from the free throw line off of a foul from Jeff Green earlier in the game. But Beasley had zeros across the board other than that, just made zero impact and was a minus 32 in a game the Nuggets won by 16. Christian Brown made him invisible tonight. And that's exactly what you need from a guy like Christian. That's the part that he can play in games like this, where Beasley made a lot of threes in his previous matchup with Denver, danced and did a whole bunch, did a whole number in front of Denver's bench, celebrated. He wasn't celebrating tonight, or he was early when he when Denver was forced to call an early timeout. But that stopped very quickly because the Jazz were cooked basically by halftime. Christian Brown's going to be great. 32 minutes is just really impressive. Real quickly before we go to break, Jeff Green, plus 19, 25 minutes, 3 of 5 from the field, 4 of 5 from the line, 10 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. Also got on the glass tonight and definitely was very helpful, including the offensive glass where Jeff Green gets a couple offensive rebounds to keep possessions alive. Uh, Nothing major to say about him. I I thought he was probably... Other than Bones, probably Denver's biggest weak link with the bench defensively. But it wasn't a big deal. It really, really wasn't. And then DeAndre Jordan, as I mentioned earlier, had that three, had a couple of his baskets assisted by Bones, really was spoon-fed a little bit, which perfectly fine. Had 13 rebounds in 21 minutes. That is the role that you're looking to for DeAndre Jordan to play. Absolutely. He did have four turnovers. He did have five fouls. Definitely not not his best uh, minutes that he's ever put out there before. But they were good minutes, and he was contributing to a positive bench unit. Plus 11 in his 21 minutes. Denver can work with that. Jokic was plus eight in his minutes. Denver can work with that too. If both your starting center and your backup center combine to go plus 19, you're probably going to be good. And they were. They were very, very good. DeAndre changed some some shots tonight. He was a better rim protector than he had been in previous games. Didn't pick up a block, but I thought that his rim protection was actually pretty good. There's a reason why the Jazz shot just below 42% from the field. DeAndre had a big part to play in that, and he deserves a lot of credit. Like I know that there's a lot of people that want to get the jokes off, and whenever the bench struggles, they want to point their finger at DeAndre. He's been fine. He's been good. Honestly, like it hasn't been him. So 
I'm very impressed with the bench unit. This feels like a unit that when they're staggering, when they have a starter on the floor, this is a group that can seriously compete. That might change when you get to higher levels of competition than just the Utah Jazz, although the Jazz have been playing really well. So maybe that says something about that. But I do think that for the regular season, the Bones, Brown, and that's CB, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan lineup, that can be good. That could be a really good group. And you don't need it to be great. You just need it to be net neutral, honestly, because the starters are mostly going to take care of the rest. It's just who Jokic is. That's just what Murray will turn out to be. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the starters in a little bit more depth. But first, football is back, everybody, and nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. I believe that the the Broncos are playing the Jaguars in London this week, so make sure to get in on that and, and make sure to wake up early on that Sunday to check that out. And make sure to visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're back. Pick Action Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's go to the starters now in our second segment as we kind of flipped it in, flipped it up a little bit because the bench really was the big story tonight where those guys played even in some cases more minutes than the starters. Christian Brown led the team with 32 minutes. Jeff Green played 25. Nikola Jokic played 25. So it definitely felt like the roles flipped in this particular game where usually you'll have the starters pick up where the bench is a little bit, uh, sus in in whether they're going to be good or bad. The starters tonight were a little bit sus. They were fine. Definitely not a problem. But it was clear, uh, in at least in my mind, that they were still on track to be good. There were some good signs and some missed shots early that I don't think would have persisted. Definitely some some things that you can look at and be like, yeah, this is still something that's a positive takeaway. Again, Michael Porter, he was very, very good with the starters, in addition to being good with the bench. I feel like his his ability to riff off of what Jokic does and space the court while Jokic posts up, he's learning how to do that really, really well. And he had a couple threes, just kind of working the two-man game with Jokic, where sometimes he'd dump it to Jokic in the post and then get the kick out. And I think he got a DHO from Nikola Jokic as well, and both of those ended up being threes. But I like the way that he's playing with both units, and I think that he can kind of find that balance between playing a little bit more of a tethered game with the starters and then go a little bit more wild with the bench unit. But he looked great. He looked great in both lineups. Nikola Jokic tonight had a chance to... uh, 
take the lead over Wilt Chamberlain in the triple-double list. He has 78 right now. Didn't quite get to 79. Tonight, he only played 25 minutes, 12 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. Was a plus 8, so it wasn't like Denver lost his minutes or anything. But he only shot 3 of 10, and he went 0 of 4 from the 3-point line tonight. That's definitely a cause for concern. Pretty sure he was 30% heading into tonight. I think that was around 3 of 10 in general. So if he's now 3 of 14, he's now getting into that stage where the three-point shot can be a little bit of a cause for concern. Though there are times where the three just looks perfectly reasonable. And honestly, I thought it looked perfectly reasonable coming out of his hand tonight. It was just a little bit short, a little bit long. Not necessarily getting the range down, but I didn't think there was any problems. I was actually a little bit confused at some points. He wasn't finishing around the rim as well as he usually does. He only went three of six from two-point range, which were clearly very spoiled because three of six for most centers is just like, okay, that was below average. For Jokic, it's almost unheard of. He's, he's so good from those zones when... When he gets bothered like that or or misses some open shots, it's just very abnormal. So obviously it didn't hurt Denver tonight. Not really a big deal. Don't want to read too much into it, but uh, keep an eye. Like He was very good against the Lakers. If he plays the Lakers again on Sunday, he will probably still be very good. But just keep that in mind. He had the great touch against Anthony Davis. Want to see if that can return. Bruce Brown got this game started off really well. Seven points, five rebounds, three assists on the night. It's funny. Every time I tweet something, every time I tweet something positive, it it is a curse and a gift of mine that I can jinx things into existence or out of existence as well as I can. Because I tweeted that I guess Bruce Brown is just an elite shooter now. And then he missed every outside shot that he took after I tweeted that. Um... Bruce clearly fits very well with that starting group. There are definitely some moments where, okay, Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, good defensive group there, and Denver, I think, played good defense. They didn't really find a good offense with that group, at least while they were out there. That'll come in time. Definitely not really concerned about that, but definitely feels that if you have all three of Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown out there. Those guys are mostly at their best when they're cutting and not when they're spacing. So I think that that could be not necessarily a cause for concern, but I just like the pairing. If we're going to put Bruce Brown out there, you're going to want to put KCP out there too, because he has zero issue with standing in the corner and knocking down threes. But I think that, yeah, Brown starts this game really well from the outside had some good defensive moments as well, just as a very large pest out there. Uh, when he's battling with bigs, he drew an offensive foul from Lowry Markin in the post. In transition, that was really good. Uh, he gets his hands in passing lanes, just as very physical on the perimeter. Definitely played a part in Jordan Clarkson going 1 of 10. Uh, Colin Sexton went 5 of 9. Malik Beasley, 1 of 7, as I mentioned. Taylor Horton Tucker, 3 of 11. He played a part in some of those matchups. He didn't really defend Mike Conley that much, but he played a part in some of those matchups for sure. 
Jamal Murray. Obviously, haven't mentioned him yet. Pretty quiet night from Jamal in general, but I did like the way that he played. There's zero reason to be concerned about him after a game like this where didn't really fill up the box score that much, but he stayed efficient. He stayed within himself. Wasn't necessarily that involved in a lot of their sets. 13 points in 21 minutes, 5 of 9 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 1 of 2 from the line, 1 rebound, 1 assist. The couple of threes that he hit, at least one of them was a transition three where he just walked in or just jogged into a transition shot, pull up from three, looked very comfortable doing it. I can't remember what the other three was, but his maneuvering from two-point range was very good as well. Had some good moments where shooting either some off-balance shots, driving to the rim. I think he had another twisting assist, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not necessarily a fan of when he jumps and does the 180. To me, that seems like a, a recipe for either disaster or just that he's not necessarily super comfortable jumping straight up and down where... Uh, given that he had a massive knee injury that really hurt him and took him out for a long period of time that was very painful. I can understand why he'd be a little bit tentative and might be jumping a little bit weird. But he did do well tonight. There's no doubt about that. I have zero concerns. Um, He just continues to work his way back. And if this is the average game from Jamal going forward, that's fine with me. And finally, Aaron Gordon. Not a great night from Aaron. Actually, I I thought it was a pretty horrible night from Aaron in general. Most of his production that he had came in the first three minutes, where he hit the opening shot from three to take him from one of 16 to two of 17. And then he missed his next two. He missed a couple rebounds, turned the ball over in the post at least once, had two turnovers in general, did have two blocks, and there were some good moments on defense. But I also just think that this is a bad matchup for him because there really isn't somebody for him to guard. Like he kind of has to guard either Olenek or Vanderbilt. Can't really guard Markinen, though, I mean, he can. It's not really a question of whether he can or can't. But it's best, I think, if Porter guards Markinen, even if he goes off because Markinen, he'll spend a lot of his time at the perimeter. And then that means that Gordon can be kind of a more interior blocker uh, or defender against uh, Kelly Olenek or or, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. But either way, he's he's still trying to find his way. And he had been very good from two-point range. Obviously, that, that wasn't a massive part of the game plan tonight. Clearly took it a little bit easier, especially with the way that he started. It wouldn't surprise me if he started that direction. Or uh, and realized that it wasn't his night, and then kind of took took himself off the gas pedal a little bit, and that's fine. Like he's going to have nights like this where Denver just has a lot of threats. It's Michael Porter's night. It's Bones Highland's night. Jokic, Murray, they're going to get theirs as well. DeAndre Jordan had twelve points. Jeff Green had ten. Aaron Gordon doesn't need to be that productive, dude. It's fine. All right, let's take a break. Actually, well, first, wrap this up. Really good win. I can't really stress enough that these are the wins that matter the most. The games against the Utah Jazz, where you improve your divisional record, you improve your home record, you take care of the wins that you're supposed to get, 
And if you do this every time, or at least the vast majority of the time, then you're going to win 50 games at least. That's just how the formula works. Denver can get up for games against teams like Golden State, the Clippers, the Warriors, uh, the Suns, other top Eastern Conference teams, etc. They'll have opportunities against those teams in the future, but in the meantime, you just have to take care of business. And they're able to have fun tonight while taking care of business too. So that's a great thing. And it's not always easy to do that. So having moments where DeAndre Jordan hits a three or Christian Brown gets a massive block or Bones Highland and Michael Porter just are just raining hellfire from the perimeter. These are good moments in the intermittent time where you don't necessarily work on, hey, this is what's going to work for us in the playoffs. But you're working on, hey, this is what's going to work for us in the regular season. And that's good enough for me right now. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go around the NBA landscape. We will be right back. We're back. Final segment, Big Axe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. That definitely helps me out, helps spread the love on the program. And I love it when people give that positive feedback. It really helps. All right, let's wrap this podcast up by going around the NBA a little bit. I haven't been able to watch a ton of the games around the NBA. I've really focused in on Denver. Most of my nights are pretty busy covering the team, too. But I am... Looking at the standings, I've I've watched some of the games and I've seen some of these teams in person, obviously, and it really stands out in some ways that the Western Conference playoff picture is very topsy-turvy right now. At the top, in first place, are the Portland Trailblazers, which is crazy. It's, it's, it's not that wild given that Denver just saw them and they blew Denver's doors off by 25 points, but it has got to make some people feel better that the two losses that Denver has had are to the 5 and 1 Portland Portland Trailblazers and the 4 and 2 Utah Jazz. Like those teams have played really well even if you don't think that they're going to feature into the major playoff race at the end of the year. They're playing well now. So sometimes you catch teams at the wrong time. Denver, they recovered against Utah. They'll have an opportunity at some point to recover against Portland. I'm sure they'll game their game plan and their discipline and everything will be a little bit better then. But even without Damian Lillard tonight, Portland gets a win in their matchup. I, I don't even remember who they were playing. Um, actually, let's just check that real quick. That's something I can check rather easily. Uh, oh, they played the Houston Rockets. So it's not like, look, Houston is horrible. Like they, they are going to be horrible, continuously horrible. Jalen Green tonight. 4 of 19 from the field, 2 of 10 from 3. If Denver got the Houston Rockets, they would be a lot better. Like Portland, they got Portland when they're playing really well. Yusuf Nurkic at 27 and 15. Anthony Simons at 30 again. So it's not like Denver's going to be fine. It, like This the loss to Portland doesn't really bother me anymore at this point. And then you look 
at the rest of the standings, obviously Portland is at one, Utah is at four. They are tied with Denver at four, along with the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs, really? Like, for whatever reason, the Spurs, they just find ways to win. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about. They played, um, who do they play tonight? Uh, they played Chicago tonight. And Chicago, they, they should feel bad about themselves. Like, that is a game that Chicago should definitely win. But again, San Antonio playing a little bit better than expected early in the season. And sometimes you catch teams at the wrong time. That's fine. It's not a big deal. Denver, fortunately, they caught Utah tonight. And they caught the Lakers last game. And they're going to catch the Lakers again, which is great because the Lakers are in last. They are winless. They just lost again. Uh, It's just, it's embarrassing at this point. They lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are also 4-2. There's actually four teams tied at 4-2 now that I'm looking at it. At the top spot, you've got Portland at 5-1. Phoenix and Memphis are tied for second at 4-1. Four, four through seven is 4-2. They're Utah, Denver, San Antonio, Minnesota. Golden State and New Orleans are tied at 3-2 and two at 8-9. and nine. Portland, or not Portland, Dallas, excuse me. Uh, they're 2-2. Two and two. OKC's 2-3. Two and three. The Clippers are 2-3. and three. So if you're ranking vibes... If you're looking around at some of these teams and thinking, man, I wish Denver was playing well. Well, they could be playing really well, and they could be the Dallas Mavericks, who have a plus 10.2 point differential right now. Denver has a minus 1.5 point differential, but Dallas is 2-2. Two and two. They have the same number of losses that the Nuggets do. In general, it is the way that you play and not necessarily whether you get the win or the loss. I understand that there's definitely some smoke and mirrors with taking a, a look at some of what the, the Nuggets have done, what like the Memphis Grizzlies have done, for example. They're 4-1, and they still have a negative point differential because of Dallas blowing the doors off of them. What it says to me is that Denver's fine, and that it's still so early in the season that a lot of this is going to be jumbled up. A lot of this is going to be very weird. The Clippers, two and three. Kawhi was coming off the bench and then he missed two games in a row. Probably going to play in between 50 and 55 games. Like, are Denver's vibes better than the Clippers? Probably. Michael Porter's playing 30 minutes. Jamal Murray's playing like close to 30 minutes. He, he only played, I think, 21-22 tonight, but that was because Denver didn't need to put their starters back in. Jamal had played in between... 25 and 28 minutes in every single game prior to that. So I think Denver's in a good spot. They're still working out the kinks. They're still trying to figure some things out. But we're at this stage where everybody's trying to figure out the kinks. It's just about who can get past that phase fastest and who can really take advantage of this early part of the schedule where everybody else is still trying to work some things out. Looks like Portland is doing that. Phoenix, they're four and one. They've clearly kind of defeated the vibes that were plaguing them during the, the offseason and the preseason. Memphis is four and one. I didn't expect them to play this or not this well. Like they haven't played great, but they've still won games. So it's still so early. We're gonna figure it out. But I will say, Rome wasn't built in a day. 
and a champion isn't forged overnight. I wrote that down in my notes today, just more saying that the season is so very long that even though we're going into November here pretty soon, it's October 28th when I actually, October 29th when I record this because it's past midnight, six months from now, we'll still be in like the first and second round of the playoffs. We won't even be into the conference finals. We won't even be at the end of the semifinals. There's still a long way to go, people. And the good news is that you've got a really good team, even in the meantime, where the bench has started to figure some things out, where Christian Brown is really starting to latch in to a bench rotation spot, where Bones Highland has started to figure some things out. DeAndre Jordan's not playing horrible, at least for now. Like, you just take this while you can. And then Nikola Jokic is not playing his best basketball. You know what he can do. You know where he can go. There's no doubt about that. Jamal Murray, you know where he can go too. I don't know where Michael Porter can go. Like, I think that this, it could be more or less who he is, what he's doing right now. I'm not sure how much better he's going to get beyond this. But he still played just so few games that it wouldn't surprise me if he was much better even in 20 games from now. And that's a really exciting thought. Nuggets fans should be very happy. This version of the Nuggets is not the championship version. And the hope is that you get that version at the right time. It does not have to be now. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back after Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Lakers. Not going to that one. Uh, But we've got a little bit of a weird schedule next week where Denver's off for three days in a row, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Going to see if I can uh, swing some interesting guests during that time so that everybody can, can still stay locked in. But Denver will play on Thursday. Then they'll play again on Saturday. Should be great. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys next week.